Hello, and welcome to episode 135 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. In this episode, we have a review of the Old Guard movie. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. So this is your uh, spoiler alert for the Old Guard movie that was recently on Netflix in July of 2020. Um, I guess also it would be a spoiler alert for the first trade of old guard volumes one through five because we're going to do a bit of do a bit of comparison but uh noah i'm gonna let you lead off i know that there was a, another comic netflix movie that we're, we're not going to talk about but i think the the good news is i think we were both uh very pleased with this one yeah i was very pleased with this one to say the least uh more much more you know i don't think you can measure how much in comparison to that other film which will not be <laughs> named uh and it's I think it's a pretty solid movie. I wouldn't say it's like the greatest movie I've seen, uh, like as far as comic adaptations go, but it's, it's pretty good. And, um, excuse me. It's, it seems to have a lot of people who cared about the story behind the camera and in front of the camera. And I really like that. Uh, it just, it's, uh, I'm very happy it exists, I guess, in short, uh, but what, what are your feelings on it? Yeah, I I enjoyed it. Um, I think it was, uh, you know, it wasn't much off of your sort of standard uh, action fare, but it definitely had a bit of the uh, the, the superhero element added to it. Um, but I, I, I do enjoy it. Um, I think it started off um, as a faithful adaptation. Um, there's some stuff at the, as we discussed at the end where they, where they made some changes, but, uh, for, for the most part, I enjoyed it. And I actually found myself, um, getting sort of watching it, getting excited, getting tense for moments. And then I was yeah. like, Oh wait, I know what's going to happen here. So I, I think even like to sort of do that in a movie where I know the source material, I read the source material a couple weeks before. I think that that's, that's good movie making there. Yeah, there's a, uh, and really where the movie sort of delineates from the, the source material is about halfway through, like the halfway point in the books too, where Nick and Joe get kidnapped mm -hmm. and Booker is found with a chunk of him blown apart and Nile and, uh, and, and, and Andy have to uh, make the decision to go after them. Um, at that point is where it really sort of, like, you know, takes a, the, the opposite route from the book. And I think it improves upon the story a little bit. Or at least I think, uh, I think it works better as a movie, you know, plot. Like, I think as a comic, it, it's, it's different because of the comic you can sort of depend on more issues to tell your story. You don't necessarily want to kill off or like make it seem like you're going to kill off your main character, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and really about halfway through, I was kind of like, oh dang, are they going to kill off Andy by the end of this film? Did you have that thought? Yeah, I think uh, I, I found that to be an interesting choice. And I, I've kind of been thinking about it for, for the last couple of days after watching the movie. At first, I was like, you know, I don't necessarily know the vibe of, uh, if I'm thrilled with that choice because I was like, you know, that was the the storytelling aspect we had there. That was that was that was interesting. But then when I thought about it, I was like, but watching the movie, it did ramp up the tension, and you know, you had this one 
character in that group that had to be uh, protected. You had this one character in the group that the, the stakes were raised for. Um, you know, certainly some of the other, you know, your, your Nick, your Joe, Book, and Niall, they could sort of go into a situation and they would take damage and they would suffer pain, but they could come back from it. But they made it where for Andy, uh, the stakes were raised, were raised a lot. So I actually did like that choice. Yeah, I, yeah, I complete. I agree completely. But I would say that the stakes were very well established when they explain why they don't want to be captured. Yeah. When they when they go in and they they go into the backstory of um, uh, the the Vietnamese immortal whose name is um, I think, Wen. Uh, I think or, that's or right. Quinn. Quinn. I think is her name. Yeah. Uh, it's spelled. It's it's Vietnamese spelling. So it's 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 sort of you know a lot of consonants. Um, and I really, that scene, I think there are a lot of really effective scenes in that, but that going into the backstory of her being placed in the Iron Maiden and left to drown for the rest of her life, Mm -hmm. that was very effective in sort of getting through to me, like, oh, that's why they don't get captured, which I think was better than even in the book. They don't have a scene like that where it's like, you know, they, they, they show with uh, Joe and Nick a little later in the story, but having that established as this is why it's bad that they're captured. Like, you know, you could be tortured for the rest of your life, like living in hell, basically. Um, that was really good. But, but at the same time, those stakes were important to why we needed to save Joe and Nick, which was Correct. a cool twist. But then also having that, you know, having... Uh, Andy make the decision to go and do it despite her knowing that she's going to die if she does. Mm-hmm. That was a really cool pivotal moment for a character to have. So I think those two things are probably what I like the most about the changes they made to the book, the story. Um, yeah. Well, what were your thoughts on the whole Iron Maiden thing? Yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed that. I, you know, you see that and you're just sort of like, as you're watching the, the movie, you're like, oh man, that's, that's a, almost like a fate worse than, worse than death. Cause you would say, you oh, know, yeah. if you, if you, uh, you know, uh, just to sort of be stuck somewhere for in, in theory, eternity, just sort of suffering. Um, yeah, that's, 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 that uh, that was an interesting way, and then you sort of were like, because Joe and Nick were sort of uh, they the they showed it really well because they sort of at the beginning they had sort of had like a they were sort of at ease with the situation, but as it yeah. went longer and longer, you could tell that they were you know they were they were taking they were they were being having pain inflicted upon them, but then it was sort of like as it goes longer and longer, they were sort of like, are we you know, are we going to be stuck here? We, is anybody going to mm. come and get us? So it did sort of aid in, in that transition of having to go get those guys. Yeah, and that's a really good point because I never thought of that before because at the beginning, I, I wrote this down in the notes how cool it is to introduce Andy walking alone down that alleyway. Mm-hmm. And there's a cool, like it starts on this shot of this uh wall breaking away and underneath the wall you can see this old brick which is very cool symbolism Mm -hmm. and um you follow that down um and andy is sort of walking by herself like down this alleyway so like just sort of just to enforce her being alone 
and then you sort of get the same thing with Booker. Like he's walking, he's riding his motorcycle down an alleyway alone, and then they intersect with each other. Mm-hmm. But when you introduce Nick and Joe, they're together and they have this life that's really beautiful. And they establish that throughout the, you know, throughout the whole movie is that their love is like, you know, you can't understand it because it's been around for thousands of years. Yeah. So to have that, like that's sort of the heart and soul of the movie really. And to have that taken away and be threatened with the worst fate, like you said, a fate worse than death. Those are some great stakes right there. I didn't really consider that. And those are, yeah, those are great. And even in the book's terms too, that's good stakes, you know? Um, Yeah. About the two characters that are, happy and have found meaning in each other despite you know not being able to die like they're they're the they're the the exception to the rule really yeah so what did you think about merrick in the in the movie because in the the book he was sort of depicted as sort of you know this sort of vain sort of like you know bro lifting weights and this one he was just sort of like the, the the smarmy sort of farmer bro I liked him. I think he was, I still think he's kind of a bland British villain, like one of the lesser Bond villains, but Mm -hmm. he, he's more on the side of being maybe a more memorable Bond villain. I think that there's a, uh, what I like about a lot of movies these days is that there's a relatability to the villains. Like they're always coming from a good place. Like we've Mm -hmm. seen that a lot in a lot of comic book and action films where they always have a, there's like a real world reason for what they're doing, you know, and in this one, he wants to cure ALS and cancer and he wants to use the immortals to do that. And he'll torture them in order to make sure that he saves the human race. But he's also kind of sadistic at the same time. But that's, I think that's the, my problem with him is that you, you see this sadism, you see this, but also this like desire to do something good for the human race. Mm-hmm. But you never know why he's that way. So I think that's sort of what makes him sort of bland is that he's just sort of there to be evil, you know? But what about you? What, what do you think of him? Yeah, so early on in the introduction, he's sort of giving the speech and you sort of get a basic understanding of, of what he might be after. But then after that speech is over, he's just sort of a mustache twirling sort of you know, Bond villain, so. He gets um, a memorable death, though, which is something that's very lacking in a lot of blockbusters these days. You know, he get to get an axe to the neck, and then he's still alive after that, and trying to shoot Andy, and Niall riding him down a skyscraper and landing on a car. I think as far as, like, good blockbuster deaths, that, that, that makes the list of at least the top 20, because it's... It's a great way to kill your big baddie in the end. Yeah, and did all four of them take the take the leap in the the comic? Yeah, that was yeah. their escape route, and then this one they don't need that because they kill everybody. Yeah, um, and of course the the way that they had uh, earlier in the story introduced that Andy couldn't. Um, Andy was losing her immortality, so obviously she can't take that journey out out the window. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that we 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 covered the the movie. What did you think about? I think the introduction of Niall was pretty close to how they did it in in the comic. Like that yeah. was almost like uh, scene for scene. Um, yeah, 
Uh, that's something that was really cool about a lot of the movies was that it didn't feel empty when they were recreating scenes from the comic. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't feel like it was just like fan service where it's like, oh, we have to have this in here now. Mm-hmm. You know, it seemed like when in that scene, it seemed like they really cared about introducing this character the right way. And they didn't feel like the comic did it like, you know, didn't do it perfect. Which it does like it paces itself very similar to how the comic does. Even the scene where they go into the uh, the compound to think that when they think they're rescuing the kids and get shot up and then kill all the guys afterwards, that follows the comic pretty, you mm-hmm. know, pretty closely. And um, then after that, the, uh, the obviously the scene that we, we talked about last uh, the last time is when um, Nick and Joe uh, freak out the homophobes in the <laughs> in the van and um then have that scene where they just open the door and all the dead bodies fall out. Um, they do that scene pretty close to how the book portrays it too. And uh, all those scenes though, really don't feel like they are empty in how they're portrayed. Like it feels like they fit within this narrative really well. And I think part and partial that's, I mean, that's due part and partial to Greg Rucka being the screenwriter, mm-hmm. you know? And um yeah, I really like when they when they're they're act when they were accurate to the book. It never felt like, oh, you don't understand what this meant to the story there. And I think that, you know, just having the writer on, you can have that. Like where it's like, no, I I know what's good for my story. That's why I wrote it in there. But uh what did you think about those accurate scenes? Uh no, I, I thought that uh like I said, the the beginning of the book um was was pretty accurate you know the the introduction of of copley um to the crew the the setup there niall coming in um is all pretty accurate i think actually it's pretty accurate as until also um the the scenes with book when he sort of is um uh the the reveal that he is the the traitor in the mist um that goes um, very close to the book, but then where we start to then we find out that Andy can't heal, um, and then we 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 vary a little bit from the book, um, uh, the the comic, uh, but uh, but I thought that was I thought that was pretty pretty great. Um, one thing they yeah. did do here was, and we talked about this on the review, is that in the book sometimes we would get these three to four page flashbacks of like previous lives and they did that they did that with andy and that was the only one that we really got um it was very brief we were the only well we got the one with with quinn which is a pretty guy i said we we talked about that being very effective that's not in this book but i think it might be in the new series of gold guard books and um but that's i think that was a very effective flashback the one i think is kind of goofy is when they flash to the guy who's dying um that one uh it's mostly Charlize theron's hat that she's wearing is kind of silly looking on her um but yeah but they 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 supplement those scenes with these cool moments of uh letting the actors sort of give these monologues yeah so like uh you get andy gives a couple but Booker has a really great one at the fireside, and he has a little bit of a flashback in there. Um, yes, but most that's true. Of it, but most of it's relying on him 
giving a performance like a real like you know really like heartfelt real performance about being immortal and having to watch his son die and um knowing that his son hated him for it uh which plays into again it plays into later with his betrayal is that in the end he he thinks he's helping them out but he is betraying them in the end too as like andy is like screaming at him and stuff like that like his son was Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was really well done, really good filmmaking. And I think that comes from the the director. She she has a background mostly in doing dramas. Okay. And this is her first big action film. And I think her drama background really helped you, uh, helped build some uh, empathy for these characters and sort of letting scenes play out like that. Or even when um, – Nikki and Joe and Booker are describing are describing what uh, Quinn was to Andy. Um, letting scenes like that play out uh, are really great. Or or even later when when Copley uh, when when Niall confronts Copley at his house and he just sort of starts the conversation off with like my wife couldn't talk towards the end, you know, mm-hmm. like that that moment was really powerful. And again, just sort of in a in an action film where normally everything is just all about, you know, keeping the pace moving and stuff like that to have moments where it slows down and lets you listen to these characters and what they're going through. Obviously it can get into a little bit of like, okay, you could have just showed us that you didn't have to tell us. Um, but most of the time it's, uh, it's pretty good. It's like, it's, it sort of highlights just how good these performers are as their characters. Um, but what did you think? Yeah, I agree with you because I was thinking when I was watching it, like I didn't think about it at the moment, but as sort of like uh, uh, after Nikki and Joe are taken and they find Book and he sort of has to sort of regenerate, um, he, and then uh, Andy goes out and is sort of you know she's having her action sequence. Um, but Joe, I'm sorry, uh, Booker and Niall are talking. And when they were talking, uh, it, it didn't seem like it was a long scene, but then when it was over, I was like, oh, wow, that was a, that was a pretty lengthy sort of dialogue scene. But like, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't bored in it at all. I was, I was intrigued. I think, I think it was helped by the fact that they were able to sort of splice it, uh, the, the, the backstory of, of book watching his son get sick and, you know, asking him why he wasn't aging and getting mad. I think that helps. Um, but I never, like, I never really got bored and was like, Hey, come on. I want to get to, you know, Charlize, you know, doing her, doing her action thing. So I think they handled that really well. So I think you made a good point about the, the director's sort of background and sort of dramas because it never, even though it was times for us to slow down and sort of get backstory or slow down and, and move the story along, it never seemed like it was too long or too drawn out. Even though it, sometimes when you kind of had a time to, to step back and think about it, you're like, oh, that actually probably was, you know, a good five, six minutes of two people just sitting around a campfire talking, which you wouldn't think would be that exciting or able to hold your interest, but it did. Yeah, it really did. No. Part of that also might be what we talked about last week with um, Leandro Fernandez's art, you know, him being the actor, but also having Greg Rucka's great dialogue and words, mm-hmm. you know, to inspire the artwork and um, maybe vice versa for Greg Rucka to be inspired by Leandro Fernandez's uh, performance and acting in his artwork. Um, 
And I think uh, that one of my, probably one of my favorite scenes, aside from just the brutal action, which I'm all about, um, is uh, where uh, Andy goes into the pharmacy and um, it's all, it's silent for the first part of it. And as you realize that she's looking for first aid materials and she doesn't know what to get because she's never needed first aid before, but she never says that, you know, or like she never has to go up to the, like she never makes a comment to the, the uh, the clerk like oh this is my first time or anything like that it's all through charlize's performance and cutting between her just like trying to like you know her hands just wandering over all the supplies and then her eventually just dumping it all into the bag but then having that moment where we instantly get that this clerk is connecting with her you know through the camera and how it moves and also that actress's performance and when when the that clerk decides to help andy and then she describes that she tells her why it goes against what Andy's been saying the whole film where she says, uh, you know, the, the world is, is all, you know, the world is awful and it's not worth saving anymore. And here's this woman going out of her way to save someone she doesn't know. And her reasoning behind it is uh, you could do something good for someone else tomorrow, you know, and that ends up being sort of a, a huge plot point later in the film is that that's the reason why they are the way that they are is because they will they affect time in a good way by saving certain people as they go so i thought that was probably one of my favorite scenes story-wise uh throughout the whole thing that's not in the book at all uh that was a really cool addition and again it it but it it plays on certain things that scenes that were in the book like the flashback to when she fell in love with the freed slave or when she would have flashbacks to other people she encountered throughout her time. Uh, just doing it in a way that, again, like you, it, it slows it down, but again, you never get bored. It's, it's, it's a really, it's really well done. Um, I feel like we're really like, you know, we, we really love this movie more than I think we started out saying we did. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. No, I, I, no, I, I liked it. Um, I, I think, as I think what they did was they took all of the right elements of, of the comic. And there was, as we talked about, there's certain things that you can do over five issues, you know, a hundred pages of comics that you're not going to be able to do over, you know, two hours, two hours of a movie. So they, they pulled, they pulled all the, the, the elements, they stayed very true. Um, and then they sort of, they sort of varied things at the end uh, to change it up. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's let's focus a little bit on on the ending. Um, as we said, um, they 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 when um, Andy and Nile first meet, uh, they 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 uh they're on a like a plane um flying back and there's a she tells the pilot to play dead in russian um and there's a cool fight scene there between those two they're sort of feeling each other out uh, you know the you know the power set that each one of them has um and then you get a call back to that when you know they use the same phrase um and i'll uh takes merrick um and takes him out the window yeah. Um, so, so that was good. Um, one thing I did find strange about the movie was they were in the middle of London and they, they crash and they're outside and they're just, they're bloody pulps and they're a mess and there's nobody on the street. 
Nobody. And then sh- they're Charlize, all like all of a sudden all this crowd just comes around the corner afterwards. After after they're able to sort of get into the getaway car and drive away, that's when the crowd comes out. But there's the streets are completely clear when all of this other stuff is is taking part. I found that to be that to be funny. That took me out of the movie for for a second. I didn't even think about that. I think I was just like too uh I was too into the the the, the testosterone of the bloody violence. Um, uh, I was too high on that to think about that, but there are a lot of like really contrived moments in the film. One of the things that annoys me so much about it is the show don't tell thing. Um, a lot of characters like just have to, for some reason, just don't feel like, you know, something wasn't shown well enough. So they have to explain it. Mm -hmm. Um, most specifically, like there's a part where Niall, uh, is taking the gun apart in the one scene where she figures out Booker is betrayed them. So she takes the gun out and she unloads it and she takes the mag out and then they have a close up on her face and she goes empty. <laughs> that kind of thing. It's like, like we couldn't have figured that out on our own. You know, yeah. like it's like uh, there, that's a small example, but there are other examples of that, of just characters stating just the most obvious things in the world throughout the whole film. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's an action film at the end of the day, I think, as much as there are cool drama moments, uh, it's, it's very over the top at times. It's, it's sort of the, the action stylings are very much so along the lines of Atomic Blonde and John Wick. Mm-hmm. So there's no real, like, reality to any of the situation, obviously, because it focuses on characters who can't die. And so they, they don't they don't try to, they don't pretend like it's, uh, I don't know, like any more serious than that. Like there's still a lightheartedness to the whole film, which is kind of nice. That doesn't take itself, but so seriously, especially with Joe and Nick, like they're so nonchalant about everything and cracking jokes all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite one is when they, they kill all the guards after they kiss each other in the back of the van and then they're being put on the plane. And they're like, ooh, this is nice, and everything like that. And they're like, like one of them says, like, oh, we've got a TV and stuff as they're going onto the enemy plane. Um, yeah, great. It's it's a lot of fun in the end of the day. It's kind of it's not high concept in execution. It's it's a very fun, lighthearted, as brutal as it can be adventure film at the end of the at the end. Yeah. So uh Touching, touching on the end. Uh, so uh, the you know the, the 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 group wins. They they drive away. All the the citizens of London come back on the street conveniently after after they're gone, um, and they they have the meeting much like they do in the in the in the comic where they yeah. sort of uh, uh, they tell they tell Booker he's out. Um, you know there had to be some consequences for for his actions. Um, I felt like the the movie did a little bit more sort of describing um, sort of his punishment. Uh, yeah. I don't remember in the comic there being sort of like, you got to go away for a hundred years. That's in the comic. Is it? Okay. That yeah, is, yeah. But it had more, it had more emotional um, relevance because uh, he knew that when he came back in a hundred years, Andy wasn't, Andy wasn't going to be there. So yeah. like, uh and that was a good thing they did throughout the film was highlighting their relationship. Mm-hmm. Like from the start, it's 
you know, they're the first two that interact with each other at the beginning of the movie and have relationship throughout. But I also like that moment where um, I was afraid that it was going to be like, oh, they're going to try to force a romance here between them. Um, and I'm very glad they didn't because it like, again, like Nick and, and Joe say, it's, it's much deeper than just sort of your basic immature lovey-dovey ro- romance relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a stronger bond and you really get that, especially from Charlize's performance in that last scene where uh, you, she sells the heartbreak of having to say goodbye to Booker because he is her, like, you know, her comrade at the end of the day. And um, she really relies to him and looks to him throughout the whole film. And that's, uh, and he looks to her throughout the whole film too. Like, and really like, you know, their relationship and their chemistry is, is really good on screen. Um, so I think maybe that's why, cause I felt the same way as you did at the end where she, it, it felt like it was a, it hit harder that he was leaving her. And, and then also, again, like we said, that, that was a great addition of her, you know, not being immortal anymore. Um, because yeah. that means, yeah, he won't see her again. Yeah. So after that, we, uh, we, we I, I think we cut the book again, Booker again. He's sort of, uh, you know, on his own, he's, he's drinking, he's sort of, you know, dealing with mentally the, the repercussions of, of losing his crew. Um, and he goes in, uh, he goes into wherever he's staying and there's somebody waiting for him. It's the, the, the individual, the, the woman who was put into the, the Iron Maiden and, and dropped off the side of the boat. And yeah. that's where we end setting us up for more. Um, but even, even though like that fits within like the narrative, even if there wasn't another film, like that sort of fits within sort of the idea of, uh, you know, um, like sort of, like what there's a one point where Char, where Andy says, um, uh, I, I wrote it down because it's a really great quote, like a great, great line of dialogue when her and Niall are talking about um, Niall's family. Oh, this is what it is. It's not what time steals, it, it's what it leaves behind, you know? And uh, that's sort of that, that line sort of encompasses everything throughout the, throughout the whole thing is that like you're, what you left like you know like the whole time they're talking about like did we ever leave anything good behind you know and that was sort of like the movie saying yeah you you've left good things behind but at the end it kind of shows but you could have left something evil behind as well you know sure and uh so in other words quinn is sort of what was left behind and um yeah i thought that was a cool thing to sort of come back to so it fits within the movie but it also sets up for a sequel which is great um and i'm very excited to sort of see maybe them explore that side of things where it's you know it's not everything that you did in the past was good you also did some stuff that had bad repercussions as well true true yeah yeah and i think what would be interesting is is that uh with the 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 second movie you'd have to pursue presume that if if andy's in it she's just in it briefly at the beginning so it'll be a great way to sort of uh it seems like with the with the skill set of that everybody has um actually with 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 booker being sort of not in the crew you would have a 
uh, a four four person crew thinking that if Andy's still there, um, wherever they pick up the next movie, but you would think they have to think that there's an expanded role for Niall in the in the second one, where in the first one she was sort of you know the the character that was new to the group that allowed us to to get into the group, meet the group, sort of figure out how the group works. In the in in a sequel, you could certainly, and also, um, you know the the difference they made in in Andy not being immortal. Um, it's going to allow for the the development and the expansion of Niall. You'd have to think that maybe her being sort of the more modern Marine, she would be able to be sort of the the tactical leader of of the of the group. Yeah, and I think that would be something that would. Uh... I just, I guess I'd like to see more of their interaction though. Like I would kind of hate to see Andy be killed or something like that, like at the beginning of the next film or something, because again, uh, she is the main character in the end. And uh, one of the great things about this movie is that all the characters mesh really well and you kind of really enjoy seeing all of them interact all the time. So I guess it's more me just wishing it. And I also think they wouldn't want to throw that away too, because in the new series Niall and Andy's relationship is sort of growing okay and being expanded upon at least I've only read the first issue but that's what I got and uh Niall's relationship to everybody else I think it'll be interesting to see what Quinn is going to propose you know because I'm guessing Quinn's gonna not gonna seek revenge on Andy she's gonna probably gonna seek revenge on the people that she you know the on the world basically and she's going to try to convince everyone to come along with her in getting her revenge. And um, she's trying to try to convince, I mean, she's already convinced Booker because Booker already hates the world and mm-hmm. hates what it's taken from him. And, um, but she's going to try to have to try to convince Niall and Joe and um, Nikki and Andy, those people, like she's going to have to try to convince them that what she has in store you know, because of the, the awful things that the world did to her, she's going to try to get all of them in on it and try to remind them of the awful things the world's done to them as well. So the next one might have more to do with flashbacks and, you know, trauma from all their lives and also looking back at sort of the people that they saved and then went on to do awful things. And um, yeah, so like the, the the conclusion will have to be for all of them, do we just let humanity you know keep going on the course that it is or do we just start ruling them like the gods that they thought we were that's sort of what i think the route they're gonna go and i think andy's gonna be the immortal obviously but she's gonna be an important part in either convincing them either way yeah um i was i was thinking that they could you know certainly focus on you know some backstory or another thing they could do is they could sort of put um, Andy in sort of like the, and I don't know if this is the best like analogy or, or, or what for, but sort of like in the Alfred role of sort of, uh, you know, being more in the background and, and support and stuff if she can't go in into, into battle or maybe she goes into battle every once in a while, but uh, that would be interesting. I don't think you could keep her off the battlefield. And that's something that they show in this movie too. True. Is that at one point she's like, I always lead, you know, that she's always the one heading head first into the battle. And so it doesn't seem like at the end of the film, she's going to stop doing that. 
Very true. All right. Uh, so I, I just actually thought of something. If there was a another comic book property uh, that uh, you would like Netflix or a streaming service to to take on, uh, what what would you like to see? Punk rock Jesus, baby. <laughs> oh yeah. I'll, I want to see someone do punk rock Jesus really well. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I'm going to keep it with, uh, and I think that this might be in development somewhere, but I would like to see Lazarus, uh, Lazarus by, by Garaka. You could, you could, you know, it's almost a very, actually now that I think about it, it's a, it's a very similar, uh, story. Um, but that, that would be neat. Uh, so I'll, I'll go with that one. Black magic or, uh, black Monday murders would also be really great to just see over at Netflix. Um, yeah, Black Monday Murder, I would like to see as like a, a really, well, I mean, you, you can do creepy, but like, yeah. I would like to see that as a really disturbing, like HBO, sort of like True Detective, yeah. sort of like yeah. style thing. Yeah, do um, it. The, the, the subject material really lends itself well to that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for the review. Do you have any uh, last thoughts uh, before we close up? It's an awesome movie. That's all I have to say. I'm, I'm actually kind of excited to watch it again. I've watched it twice, but I think I'm going to... My wife is a huge Atomic Blonde fan, so I think I might have her sit down and watch it because I, I think she'd enjoy it. Are you going to pause it and tell her where the midpoint is? Yep. That's how I roll, <laughs> baby. I'm awesome. with that midpoint. Awesome. Well, uh, I enjoyed it, and I'm glad to see that... Uh, it seems like uh, we got a we got a really great uh, comics uh, adaptation on on a streaming service, and yeah. uh, uh, it seems like a lot of people people other people are enjoying it, not just just comic fans who who love the source material, which is which is great. Knocking that other one off the top ten, hopefully, Very hopefully true. just off the site altogether. Yeah. Awesome. Well, if you could give us a rating and review on whatever podcasting service you use, we'd really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we are on Twitter at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod. Facebook and YouTube is Constructing Comics. Uh, we'll be back very soon. Um, actually, as we're closing up, if if you go on to Instagram, check out, is it at Dino Thrasher's comic? Dino Thrasher's comic, yep. Yeah, check that out. That's going to be something that uh, Noah and I will have a little bit of more uh, news on soon. But uh, I'll have a link to that in the, in the show notes for, for this podcast as well. Uh, thanks for listening. Everybody be safe, uh, be nice to each other, and uh, go out there and make some comics.